I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Pew Bible, page 31, Genesis chapter 22. We turn now back from our study on the book of Psalms to return to our sermon series on the book of Genesis, where we left off. Abraham is tested. Genesis chapter 22. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Sometime later, Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother. She has born sons to your brother Nahor. Uz, the firstborn, Buzz, his brother. Kemuel, the father of Aram. Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf. And Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Milcah bore these eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. His concubine, whose name was Reumah, also had sons, Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Makkah. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, minds of his people. Have you ever wondered what that, um, that phrase, 
and the Lord's Prayer means. There at the end. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Especially when you read uh, the book of James, verse 13, the first chapter. Where James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So why does Jesus tell us to pray for something that God can't do? Lead us not into temptation. Well, it's because that word temptation is also the word for testing. Lead us not into testing, but deliver us from evil. Now, it makes more sense that Jesus would call us to pray to the Lord to lead us not into, to, into testing. Um, because it is true that nobody likes tests. Nobody likes tests. I mean, maybe there's a strange person out there who likes to be punished. And who enjoys tests. But typically, uh, as human beings, we don't like tests. And here we see... These first words in our passage this morning. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. What's well, important that even though we pray to the Lord that He would not bring us into testing, but deliver us from evil, that we understand there is a purpose in testing. And that's why the theme this morning is God tests our faith. To show us his faithfulness. God tests our faith to show us his faithfulness. We have three points this morning. The first is tested. Verses 1 through 5 tell us about what Abraham's test is. The second point is passed. Verses 6 through 12. We learn that Abraham passes this test. And uh, verse 13 through 19 we uh, learn that uh, the ordeal, there's salvation in it. There's salvation declared in it. God's faithfulness is declared in it. So let's look at this first point. Verses 1 through 5. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham is the faithful servant. He says, um, just like those words of Isaiah, here I am, right? He replies to God, here I am. And then God says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And we learn that early the next morning, Abraham gets up. He saddles his donkey. He takes two servants with him and his son Isaac. He cuts the wood for the burnt offering. And he sets out for the place God had told him about on the third day, three days of traveling. Then he says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We're going to worship and then come back to you. Um, first of all, uh, what you need to know is that um, child sacrifice is a pagan practice that was probably common during the, the time that Abraham was alive. And so, how are we supposed to understand the fact that God is telling Abraham um, to do something that, to Abraham, should be understood as something so outside of the character of God? How should we understand that? How should we understand how Abraham 
is understanding this, thinking about this. Well, I think that we should realize that one thing that we notice is that this is something that is tormenting Abraham. This is something that is heavy upon his heart. He is wrestling with this. He's wrestling through how God is going to keep his promise to him. When God said, through Isaac, your offspring shall come. Through Isaac, he's the promised son that you've been given. Through Isaac, your blessing shall be received. And so Abraham is saying, God promised that through my son Isaac, the promises that he's given to me, the blessings that will come to me, and the offspring that is around the sea, the sand on the seashore, and the stars in the sky, that it's through Isaac. Yet here God is asking me to, uh, to go and to sacrifice him and to kill him. So um, Abraham is wrestling with this. Abraham is a very wealthy man. He's a very rich man. He's got servants for everything. But he's the one that wakes up early in the morning and saddles his own donkey. He's trying to get his mind off of what's to come. He is the one that, that goes out and he cuts his own wood. All we'd have to do is say, hey, you servant, cut the wood. He's trying to get his mind off of what is to come. And, and, and it's not just that God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. And then Abraham gets to go out and he gets to build an altar right there. And he gets to do it right away. The quicker that I can do this and get it off my mind, the better. No, Abraham has to travel. Three days of traveling with this going on. And as I was studying for this uh, sermon, I, I listened to uh, uh, Dr. Sproul tell a story about this. And Dr. Sproul told a story about this dog that he had that had to be put down. And, and, and he couldn't, he didn't even want to, to, to be the one that took the dog to get put down. He didn't even want to be told when it was happening. He told his wife that just, just make sure it happens and, and just let me know when it's over. In fact, I just saw an article the other day that, that uh, a veterinarian was talking about how the worst part of his job is that the dog's owners don't want to be there when the dog is put to sleep. And so that look in the, in the animal's eyes where they're so frightened because the one that they know loves them and cares about them is not there. And he, and he pleaded with pet owners that if, you, if your dog has to, if your animal has to be put down, be there for that animal. And, and Sproul was saying, but I couldn't even, I couldn't even think about uh, being there when my dog was put down. Imagine the idea, the concept, imagine the torment that Abraham is going through, understanding the whole time that he's traveling. At the end of this travel, he has to, he has to make a decision. He's got to go forward with sacrificing his own son. This is a test. Nobody likes tests. What kind of test that God has given Abraham here? It's a difficult one for anybody who's a parent or has somebody that they care about to think of. Abraham is wrestling with this. 
And how are we supposed to understand what he's saying when he says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We're going to worship, and then we will come back to you. Is he lying? Is he lying to these servants? No, in fact, what we're told in the book of Hebrews is... Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. What is the author of the book of Hebrews saying, he's saying that the way that Abraham reasoned through this test that God was giving him, that God said, through your son, your, your seed, and your, your seed will, will come, and also Abraham sacrificed your son, is that Abraham believed the way God could tell him to do this, and also keep his promises that God was going to show his faithfulness to Abraham by bringing his son Isaac back to life. And so, then, Abraham takes the wood of the burnt offering, places it on his son Isaac, carries the fire and the knife, and, and Isaac, you know, he's a very uh, intuitive young boy. Hey, hey, Dad, usually when we go and do these things, you know, um, there's the, uh, you know, there's the fire, you know, there's the knife, and there's the animal. Where's the animal? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And, and is Abraham lying to his son when he says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son? I don't think so. I don't think so. I believe that Abraham understands in some fashion that, that, that God is going to show himself faithful to him in this test. So the two of them go on together. And they reach the place God had told them about. And Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And you know what? I always wonder, how does this go down? He, he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I mean, did he have to, like, knock his son out? Hit him on the back of the head or something? Or was he like, hey, you know, Isaac, this is just practice, you know? Whenever God brings the lamb, this is how we're going to do it. Like, or did he tell his son Isaac, trust me. This is all going to work out. God is testing my faith, but he's going to show his faithfulness. I, I, I don't know. We don't have those details. But his son Isaac is then laid on the altar on top of the wood. And, and, and then he reaches out his hand. And you can almost see this as some sort of climactic event in this narrative. Uh, and he takes his knife to slay his son. And did he, he must have really had the intent to do this. Believing that, that even if God called him to kill his son Isaac. That he was going to bring his son Isaac back to life. Because he promised. And God keeps his promises. But the angel of the Lord stops him. 
Abraham, Abraham. He answers the same way, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld me from me, your son, your only son. Of course, we see in this that the angel of the Lord speaks as if he is the Lord. Um, this has happened before in the book of Genesis, um, and, and we see it here. You fear God because you've not withheld your son from me. From me. This is the test. This is a pass-fail test, right? And, and Abraham passes. Abraham passes. Now, it's interesting when we look in the New Testament how this moment is interpreted. Uh, we see in the book of James this, uh, this explanation, this discussion about what it means um, to have true and tested faith. What it means to, uh, to uh, have a faith that is uh, one that is matched with actions, with doing, right? And, and, and this is, and this is what, what, we, what we see here. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there's one God, good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. This is James chapter 2, verse 20. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God... And it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. James brings from the book of Genesis an earlier moment. The earlier moment is when God says, or when Abraham believed God, believed God's promises, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But James is saying, how do we know the authenticity of that faith? How do we know that that faith, that that Abraham had that he believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness is a genuine faith, a living faith, a real faith. And, and James says what you do is you look at this moment, Genesis chapter 22. You look at this moment uh, as proof as a, a, a living faith, a genuine faith. Abraham's faith was tested um, and he passed. Now, you can sort of ultimatize that, right? And you can say, what happens if Abraham didn't pass this test? Well, we've already looked at a number of events in the life of Abraham. Sometimes he's looking good. And sometimes he's looking really bad. And that's what the Christian life is all about. That's what the life of a, of a follower of God is all about, right? Sometimes our life looks like we do fear God. And sometimes it doesn't. Just like the life of Abraham. But there are times in our life that you can point to where God was testing us, right? And we held on to our faith. God showed us his faithfulness in those moments. 
This is one of those moments for Abraham that God was gracious and merciful to Abraham. That Abraham clung to his faith even in the midst of this fiery trial. Abraham believed God still. Even though God was asking him to do something that he could not even imagine or fathom that God would ask him to do. Abraham believed God. And that belief was seen even in the things that he did. The actions he took. The steps he took. This shows the real metal of faith, right? Untested faith can always be questioned. Oftentimes, when I think about untested faith being questioned, I think about the book of Job. That's really what Satan is saying, isn't he? Well, of course Job loves you. You've given him everything. You've made his life easy. But you take all that away, and then you'll see the, see the real heart of Job. If there's not something in it for him, then guess what? He's not going to be by your side. He's not going to be believing in you still. But you take everything away from Job, and the book of Job is what happens. Satan does everything he possibly can do to him except kill him. And what does Job say? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I believe that the Lord is faithful. That is a tested faith. That's a faith that people look at and say, that guy really believes what he says. He really thinks that God is the best thing in this world. God tests our faith to show us his faithfulness. But God also tests our faith to show us, to show others his faithfulness. Right? It's an evangelistic opportunity. And so, even when James is talking about in the New Testament what it means to have a living and active faith, what it means to not only believe the word, but to do it also, he points to the life of Abraham. And he says, look at Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, right? But when Abraham's faith was tested, it proved genuine. Because that's when he followed the word of God, even when it cost him something. Even when it costs him something. And this is what we find. That because God tested Abraham's faith, because he passed and showed God's faithfulness, this is what he does. He shows his faithfulness. Abraham looked up, verse 13, and he saw there in a thicket a ram caught by its horns and went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide and to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord then called Abraham from heaven, and he renewed this promise, these promises that he has given. But he does something here that he hasn't done before. He swears by himself. I swear by myself, declares the Lord. 
that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba. Salvation. Salvation. Is there really um, no further meaning to this moment in Genesis chapter 22 um, than to, uh, to test the genuineness of Abraham's faith? I mean, it is true that one of the paradoxes of life is that testing times are transforming times. We don't like them. We dread them. We wish they would go away. But testing times are transforming times. When we are tested, we grow. James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, by the way, same word as temptation in the Lord's Prayer, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we're supposed to consider it pure joy when, when we receive trials, when we go through testing, because it's something that grows us, it's something that transforms us, it's something that uh, shows us God's faithfulness, refines us, sharpens us. And is that all that um, Genesis chapter 22 is pointing to? Well, I think the ultimate expression of God's faithfulness is being foreshadowed in a magnificent way in Genesis chapter 22. Um, it's something that many of you might have caught on to. Even from the very beginning, when God uses this language about Isaac, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. It's the same language that God uses of Jesus. This is my son, my beloved son. It's the same language that John uses in his gospel when he says, the only begotten son, the only son. In fact, in the Greek uh, version of the Old Testament, this is the same word. It's the, my unique, your unique son, your only son, your unique son. So, uh, Isaac here is a type of Christ. And we see even more foreshadowing happen. Verse 6, Abraham takes the wood of the burnt offering and he places it on his son Isaac. So Isaac is the one carrying the instrument of his own death up the mountain. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son, we're told that Christ is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In fact, even though it's said to this day on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided, should key us into the fact that Mount Moriah, three days' journey from where Abraham was, comes to be the place, the city called Jerusalem. And in fact, it could very well have been that mountain outside the city of Jerusalem where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only Son of God, the only beloved Son of God, is crucified. 
Abraham looked up and there he saw on a thicket a ram with its horns caught in thorns. You see now that what God wanted to see what Abraham would do would be willing to do is actually the very same thing that God goes to in order to show us his faithfulness. God is the one who gives his son, his only begotten son. And he sacrifices him as the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. God follows through. God shows us his faithfulness. When Jesus Christ, the son of God, carries the wood up the mountain is crucified is crucified to take away our sins to give us his righteousness and now every testing of our faith in order for God to show us his faithfulness is a reminder that our salvation has been completed perfectly in Jesus Christ it's a reminder that the faith we have now is even a gift of God through the perfect work of Jesus Christ. It's a reminder to us that whatever testing we might go through, we, um, we, we are not doing anything that God himself and his son Jesus Christ was not also willing to do. You see, when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, he picks his cross up. And he leads the way. When Jesus says, you must die to sin, he goes on the cross and he dies for sin. When Jesus says, you must live for me, he, three days later, raised from the grave, shows us newness of life comes through humiliation. Death gives way to life. So maybe you're going through a test of your faith right now. Maybe in a small way. Maybe not like this big momentous test that Abraham is receiving. Maybe it is a difficult test. A test of the genuineness of your faith. My prayer is that you would know that God, your Father, does this. So that as you cling to Him... You can see his faithfulness to you and his son, Jesus Christ. As you cling to him, you can see that he will never let go of you. As you trust in him, even if everything is taken away, you find him to be even more glorious, even more wonderful, even more beautiful. As God tests our faith, my prayer is that you would know God has shown us faithfulness to us most wonderfully, most beautifully, most most perfectly in the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have been faithful to us. That, Lord, you test our faith 
so that we may cling to you even more. That we may show others uh, that you are worthy to be trusted in. That you are greater than all pleasures and wonders that we can have in this world. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us your son, your only son, whom you love. And you sacrificed him on Mount Moriah. He carried his own death instrument up the hill, on that hill far away. That he was the lamb that you provided on the mountain for our salvation and for our sanctification. It is through him that all the nations of the earth have been blessed. Through Jesus Christ, that seed of Abraham. So we pray, Lord, that we would consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would let perseverance finish its work so that we might be mature, complete, not lacking anything. We pray, Lord, that testing times will be transforming times in our lives. Uh, we, we pray that you, Lord, would do a good work in us, that we would be more like your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray.